0: Something I was thinking about a few minutes ago is putting the girls down to bed, right? And they're watching a video of themselves jumping on the trampoline.
1: Narcissists.
0: Right. And they're almost three and almost two at this point. And I was thinking there's, like, scientific precedents for, like, us not being able to uh. Form memories before a certain age, right? Like four or five or something like that. Like it's scientifically impossible. But I've been thinking about like, are we, are our kids going to start remembering that stuff because they're so inundated with it? Like, I, for all intents and purposes, have a video or a picture of from every single day of my kids' lives for the past three years. And they've been looking at them almost every single day for the past three years. Mm-hmm. You know, now the narcissism stuff, a set, a set aside because I don't, I do think about that a lot, but I don't want to get into the <laughs> like grumpy old man territory of it. Right. I'm just kind of curious cause, because there's always like those people you meet that are like, I remember this thing when I was like two and in the back of my mind, I'm always like, I'm pretty sure that's impossible. Right. A false memory. Like, we know that's impossible right but is that going to start becoming probable because we have like these memory machines at our disposal at any given second have you thought about that at all
1: i mean i have to confess i have not really thought about that i do think about the jim gaffigan joke where he's like i have more pictures of my kids than my father's ever looked at me right you know <laughs> and uh and i think that that's yeah, I think that's true. And I think, I don't know if that changes our kind of psychology and physiology at all. I'm not smart enough to, I guess, think on that. Yeah. I think it has to, though. But I think it's just like a gradual shift and change where we only see the repercussions of this when they're like 18. And then we'll be able to be like, whoa. Everyone screwed up. Right. Or be like, oh, nope, they, they're they just like every other 18-year-old. Yeah, But I will have to say there was a moment when um, we just moved and we didn't have any internet or anything. And we went over to um, our in- in-laws' house and Indy got his hand on a working... Like tablet and was like and just I could see the relief. And it wasn't like he was like, Oh, thank God. we uh-huh. just started using it immediately yeah. and like just pushing stuff. And yeah. I was like, Wow, that is that has been part of his life, you yeah. know? And for like four days of no working electronics, he like was really looking for an electronic jonesing. to get into to use Jones in a bit. Yeah. So, I mean, that kind of startled me, where I just kind of snapped out of it for a second. I was like, whoa, is that is that okay? But then I was like, that's his world. That is his generation. So wh- what am I going to do?
0: Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah, I'm definitely not of the mindset of, like, there's a lot of people out there who are, like, no screens for kids until they're 18. Right. And it's just kind of, like, I understand the impetus behind it, and I don't think that it's, like, spawned out of uh, anything, like, evil. But at the same time, like you said, like, that's the world we are living in. If that If that's the case, then you're going to have an 18-year-old that has literally no idea how to interact with the world that he's living in when he turns 18. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? If you've kept him away from any internet connected device it's all about moderation you know what i mean it's all about you know i don't think my 3 year old would be nearly as smart as she is if she did not interact with word games on the ipad or her abc games on the ipad you know what i mean mhm so
1: i mean there's something here's a here's a gross generalization but you know what i'm not going to make the gross generalization <laughs> okay
0: vape vape (laughs) those things are too expensive to flick around
1: exactly as i'm saying so you just flick the air right they could be
0: all right so we've been gone for a couple weeks and i think we have a lot to talk about um instead of talking about this in our recommendations i want to talk about it we'll just talk about it first um so last week or last episode you recommended other space Yes, I did. Have you watched all of the first season? You finished the first season?
1: I am up to the final episode. You still haven't watched the final I episode? I still haven't seen the final episode.
0: Okay. So I watched episodes one and two on Monday of last week. And then on Tuesday, I watched episodes three through eight. Wow. All back to back. At work. <laughs> so so you haven't shown this to Julia at all? No. Do you think she'd like it? Uh, Maybe. I don't know if it's really her I've been watching it with Elise. Yeah. Um but I loved it. I thought it was great. For like I said, when we we're talking about it before, I love it for what it is. It's not like yes. Yeah, it's no, it's nothing mind-blowing, but I thought it was really funny.
1: For what it is, too. I think it's phenomenal. Yeah. I think it's hilarious down to the details of spoofing like early Star Trek where you have them be like, "Here's the camera." And the camera's just a lens. Like they didn't, and it's like that's technology Mm -hmm. to set that up and put a light on it. And I think that stuff is super funny.
0: Or their tablets, it's just a piece of glass, just a piece of glass, (laughs) absolutely
1: nothing on it. (laughs) They don't put graphics on that, they don't put a sticker on it. Yeah, it is literally just a pane of glass, and I think that's brilliant. Yeah, so I love that, and then. It has moments where you're like, I should be more annoyed with these people, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I think everybody really pulls off their character well. Yeah, in a way that I really like. What do you think of um, what's his face, the the, the captain's sister when she does her head down look yeah, and her a, furrowed it, yeah,
0: that's definitely one of those things where it's like, man, that should really bother me, but. <laughs> I guess everything else is so over the top and so goofy that it just kind of works for some reason. You know what I mean? But, yeah, that is a serious, serious, like, head head tilt. Right? Head
1: tilt down with the... I mean, her eyebrows It almost are looks just, painful. It looks painful. And it should be one of those things that you're looking like, oh, I don't like when she does that. Yeah. But least and I... Like, we'll look at each other when she doesn't are like, I hate that when she does that. But we're like laughing, like, right. that is really annoying. Yeah. But I secretly like it.
0: Yeah. Okay. So there's a moment where, so part of the dynamic is the captain, they're all young kids, basically, right? They're all Lipinski. like, Yeah. They're all like teenagers, maybe like early 20s. So the captain has always had a crush on this girl who's the navigator, right? And in this episode, the navigator's boyfriend breaks up with her, and she decides she's going to get over it by sleeping with somebody. And the person she decides to sleep with is this, like, Amish guy that was on the ship for some reason. The real world road rules challenge, Moonageddon? Right. And they bring him out of, like... Moonferno. Moonferno, right. Cryostasis or whatever he's in. And she starts trying to have sex with him in what is essentially a, a rape scene played for comedy, right? And if those roles were reversed that would be a extremely disturbing scene. So why is it not extremely disturbing when it's this girl doing it to a guy, a very unwilling and confused guy, right? Is that, I'm not saying I was bothered by it, but it is definitely something I noticed. And I find it interesting in the sort of dynamic of the society that we have now, you know what I mean? Where it feels like that's the sort of thing that people would be harping about.
1: Well, I before I answer your question, which I will, let me up the ante on that and say, Do you remember what she does to him? Mm. She basically allow like helps him kill himself. <laughs> She's like, and then I put him in the airlock oh, and right. let him because all he wanted to do, he's like, just kill me. Right. You know, yeah. and so I mean, she also kind of murders the guy. Right. Yeah. And it's just like well, see you later. Yeah. Like no one even makes an effort to be like, let's try and save him and explain what happened to him. So, right. but that's also
0: it's the kind of joke that maybe ten or fifteen years ago wouldn't. No one would have batted an eye at. But
1: now, but now
0: it's, like, it's a lot more loaded. The and only- is that good. It should it be? Should it not be? Or is it, it is what it is.
1: I know exactly why they got away with it. Because nobody's watching the well, sure. show. Yeah. That's why they got away with <laughs> yeah. it. I think, I think that's it. I mean, if you talk to the writers, I'm sure they're probably like, do you know how much I'm getting paid for this? Like, <laughs> I wrote that script and then I didn't proofread it. Right. We pretty much shot on that. Uh-huh. So, I mean, I just think that, yeah, this isn't getting probably the attention, especially from people coming over and being like, Let's smooth out any rough spots there. It's kind of like, what script we got? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's pretty funny. Okay. Right. <laughs> okay.
0: Yeah. All right. I just thought that was kind of, I just thought it was interesting. But other than that, and even, like I said, I'm not bothered by it at all. I just thought it was, it's interesting to be able to notice that sort of thing. You know what I mean? Whereas, like I said before, I don't think it would have been, you wouldn't have even thought about it. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it is, was the entire thing written by Paul Feig or it's just this created it Just by Paul Feig.
1: created. So, you know, he may have just been like, here's my name so you guys can get this made.
0: Yeah. And I will say this because the episodes play automatically back to back after the last, the season finale ends. There is an extra bonus, like, behind-the-scenes interview with Paul Feig and some of the stars. Under no circumstances should you watch that. Stop the video before that starts to play. Why are they, like... It is not funny. It's trying really hard to be funny, and it's very not funny. So that can just be skipped. And it's not... It's like... It's not... There's no like production talk there's no insight to the making whatsoever it's a complete spoof on what one of those things would be and it's not funny okay yeah so the opening joke is like no we actually shot in outer space it's just kind of like okay and that sets the tone yeah (laughs) kind of like okay speaking of tone let's go to the complete opposite end of the spectrum and talk about the documentary hot the netflix documentary hot girls wanted it, it it had gotten a lot of press recently i guess netflix just released it so a lot of people have been talking about it
1: it played at sundance
0: oh did it mm-hmm. oh, okay and then netflix bought it right because it's a netflix documentary right or it's labeled as La- such. yeah
1: they 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 purchased it from sundance
0: but it's a documentary produced by rashida jones that follows a handful of girls in the quote unquote am- amateur porn industry right and when you mm-hmm. Talk to me about it. You said that you f- you 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 had two sort of two opinions on it, right? So what were those? You you said you were kind of at both ends of the spectrum, maybe. So what are those feelings? Spectrums, yeah. What are those spectrums?
1: Fuck, you throw me into the deep end here. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, so I think you know some of the buzz off Sundance was this documentary is a joke is like a total complete joke that is an embarrassment that ever got made, let alone shouldn't be called a documentary in Sundance. Right. Yeah. And the big knock against is that that it's not sex positive, which again, talking about our cultural moment, it's very important that you are in the art that you portray sex positive. Um, At the same time, I'm watching this house, and it exists, and it's full of terrible people. Yeah. And terrible guys who are leading this and saying terrible things about the women that they are bringing in. Right. So I don't see how you can discount that story. Yeah, exactly. So, okay, so then there's one reaction. Mm-hmm. And then played against this idea that this documentary makes no attempt to kind of accurately address or portray the broader issues of pornography in our culture. It's trying to extrapolate from this one story and say, because they'll reference, you know, rappers. And there's a scene where two girls are watching a Drake video. Mm -hmm. And one of them's like, I want to marry Drake. Mm-hmm. And you know, you just want to be like, oh, "You have no idea of yourself mm-hmm. in relationship to Drake, let alone our culture right you You really think you're doing something that's on a road to leading you to something better or mm-hmm. something else. where're like on a, a road
0: r- that could lead you to marrying Drake.
1: I, I don't think that she was fully joking about that. I right. think she was like I'm going to do this, get in a video like that, make an impression, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, So yeah, I think that those girls need an intervention. I feel like we could do an A&E show. We could do a whole season of intervention just based in that house. <laughs> just like <laughs> constantly intervention any woman that's Steps mm-hmm. through those doors. Right. And I think that's shown in the main protagonist who doesn't seem to have a conception of herself and what she's doing and slowly comes to that realization throughout the documentary until she ends up apparently, quote-unquote, happy, you know, waitressing. They they, right. they they try and portray her life to be like, isn't it great? And it doesn't really seem that great, but right. who am I to judge, you know? Um, so yeah, I think I think the the documentary has a problem in extrapolating its story and applying it out to the broader world that people are getting upset about. Mm-hmm. But for the story that's telling, it's super depressing right. and it's troubling. Yeah. I'm glad I don't have daughters. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I have
0: two, yeah, on the other hand. Um yeah, I think it's the same issue that we've had with, you know, for example, the female roles in true detective where a certain community, maybe the feminist community is looking for every, it seems like the feminist community is looking for every female character to represent this one very specific perspective of femininity, right? So when they see in True Detective that there's only weak female characters, they take it as this this show is saying that all women are weak. When I take it as just being like the woman in this story is... A, maybe a weak-willed woman. It's not a statement about all women or all wives or all teenagers. It just is, that is this character's arc, right? So I don't have an issue with a documentary that I guess I never really felt like it was... I never really felt like it was trying to... S- make a grand sweeping statement about every woman in the porn industry. There's obviously maybe ripples of that in the documentary. But for the most part, I feel like it follows these five women and the one specifically, I can't remember her name, very closely. And it's more or less about their experience and what they've documented while filming them and like i said i think some people will see that and think and say well this isn't what the everyone experiences but again because you're with one of these five women throughout the entire documentary i don't feel like it was ever trying to say that you know what i mean i felt like it kept pretty closely to this is what they were experiencing Now, in that, some of them will say everybody does this, but that's the women's in the documentary saying. That's not the documentarians saying it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't remember any. And it's been a couple weeks since I watched it now, but I don't statistics. Yeah, I don't remember any statistics or stuff like that. There now, there might have been like title some title cards or stuff like that, but
1: I I believe that that's a discrepancy. <clears throat> between what made it on Netflix and what played at Sundance mm. because I read a review where somebody referenced a statistic mm-hmm. and they were like this documentary is bogus because it says this right and I watched it I didn't see that at all yeah. so I was like yeah either I totally missed it or they took out the title cards that they they saw the reaction like oh, okay let's let's pull back and let's try and tell this story right. but in theory I don't
0: have a issue with the documentary coming to the table with a perspective, right? I don't have an issue necessarily with every documentary does every right? documentary yeah. does to a certain extent. So I don't really have an issue um, with hot girls wanted starting and, and it being like, or even the, the filmmakers being like, look, we don't like this industry. And so we made a documentary about it. That's fine by right. me. Right. I don't think you can then watch it and then say, oh, well, this was only negative. Well, it's like, okay, well, they said it was going to be only negative. Um, so, And I guess a lot of it will come down to your feelings on pornography, right?
1: Well, yeah, and I guess I wish it didn't have to come down to that. I wish you could say a lot of it will come down to your reaction to these girls' stories as represented in this Documentary. Well, and like, I feel like it
0: should, right? Right. But yeah. then you, you get the argument of, of it. Well, you know, this is it's it's limited to these girls. You're not necessarily speaking for everyone in the porn industry. Industry. But to that, I would also say like one of the points of this documentary is that there are thousands of these girls. Right. The whole basically the whole point of it is like these girls. That that is one thing they talk about a lot is. The guy who's Mm -hmm. running this house basically says, at the very most, these girls will have six months to a year in the industry before they're out, before Mm -hmm. they're never heard from again. And that is at the very most, right? Typically, he says one to three months, they're done, they move on. But the thing about that is then that legacy lives on forever on the Internet. Those girls are on the Internet doing that forever. So you're talking about thousands upon thousands of girls who are going through this. And you have five of them or maybe three of them represented in the documentary because at the end, I think they say that two of them are still doing it and are happy or yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah,
1: one only does cams right. and two got out, I think.
0: And then, and then, But then in the media, and I haven't followed it too closely, I looked for the, there was one write-up that everyone was talking about from a porn star, I think, about it, who was yeah, really yeah, yeah, tearing sure. it apart, but mm-hmm. I couldn't find it. Um, but even then, like, and I know this is a weak argument, but, like, that's that's one person. Like, that's that's one. We're talking about probably tens of thousands of women who have been in and out of this industry, and you've gotten one to write something negative about this. Like,
1: let's talk to the other 9,000, 9, right? Right. And I guess, and I want to clarify, too, I'm not saying, when I was making the joke about intervention. I'm not saying intervene for their choice in sexuality or whatever. I'm saying the viewpoints that they expressed while in that house were like, you need some smelling salts, you know? And it's also
0: very damaging to them. Like as evidenced from what you see with this girl and her home when she goes back home and how she's now coming around to dealing with it and how her relationships are affected by it you can tell she's extremely uh, maybe to use a loaded word damaged by it right and it's something that like i said that whatever she did whatever video she made that is on the internet forever it will never go away and so she could potentially be 30 40 years old and somebody's like hey i recognize you from the video
1: right i think I think that's the thing that I'm responding to now. And this kind of goes back to what you are saying. What is your relationship to you on a screen when all you've done is grow up and see yourself on a Mm -hmm. screen? And it seems like these women have a really easy ability to separate what they're doing on the screen and in the shoots from their personal lives, at least in front of the camera. They're talking about it very, like, yeah, that was really rough to do. But I got through it, you know, yeah. and whatever. And I'm like, it, I mean, that that to me is a troubling mindset where I feel like there is that bifurcation. There's that one girl who's making a point of how she doesn't have sex outside of porn. Mm-hmm. And for her, that's like a... It's a release or whatever. Right. It, it, well, yeah, and she's also like, it's a good th- Like, I'm strong and whatever. I was like, that's... I don't know that that's a great idea to have about yourself yeah but i don't know i don't know i mean i right I, and I just think it's it's a it's troubling to hear these young girls talk about the activities that they're doing and when they start getting into specifics like this facial abuse stuff mm-hmm. where i'm like Ugh, like yeah just shocked i'm like i don't i don't see that as being like i'm 19 and this is what i
0: right and I I really don't want to be like a prude or a really old man but like hearing what these guys say in the videos it's I kind of feel like maybe you should be in jail like you I kind of feel like you shouldn't be around other people you know what I mean like I I kind of feel like you're using this platform to l- live out like a really demented twisted like that to me goes beyond like if you take that out if you take that action outside of a a a porno outside of a pornography that is domestic abuse
1: right so now you're talking about thought crimes the cannibal cop no,
0: no, no, I'm not talking about thought crime. I'm talking about if if one of these guys,
1: right, w- right, did this to Turned his girlfriend,
0: right, and it wasn't being recorded, it wasn't a video to go on and to go on the internet, it could be considered abuse.
1: Yeah, but 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 that's the argument. People are going to say the fact that the camera's on changes the relationship of what's happening, that it is it is fantasy, it is play acting. I will say I I I'm sure the filmmakers w- meant this. One of the most disturbing parts of this whole documentary for me was when they follow her, one of the girls, to a shoot. And there's this, like, he looks like he's 42 or whatever. And he's, yeah, like, yeah, just talking to her. He's like, right. hey, so... Uh, and she's
0: totally creeped out. Yeah,
1: and he's like, you don't talk much, huh? And, I mean, the guy just looks like a total creep. Mm-hmm. and And I was, like, you know, just seeing him near her just gave me, like, I have them right now. Yeah, I just have the chill. And it's like, I guess I walk away not thinking anything really bad about the girls or the industry. Well, the industry, yeah, I don't like the industry either. But the guys in it are just, they seem like the worst people ever. Yeah. No, I agree. And and I think you'd have to be if you're like an amateur porn because you are like, you know, one of those guys says it. he's like, yeah, I basically I see him come and go and I'm getting to use them up and right. then they they leave and I don't care. Yeah. And you're like, gosh, what a creep.
0: Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is I, th- I think that's also the the perspective, the the opposite perspective being brought to it is those these things shouldn't be seen. As a negative thing in public, right? If somebody came up to her and said, Hey, I know you from that video, it shouldn't be yes. seen negatively, right? Yeah. That's the counter argument that I just don't, for whatever reason, I can't wrap my head around. Or I, I just, I'm not on board with that completely. But at the same time, like you brought up, and like this girl said, if we're just talking about the idea of it, right, the idea is that I went to this thing, I did this thing that I really did not want to do, but I got paid, and now I'm at home. That She could be saying that about what she did. I could be saying that about what I did at work today. I went to work. I did something I really didn't want to do for eight paid. hours but I got paid and now I'm at home. And guess what? I'm going to go back to work tomorrow and do it again. You know, the difference is in what you're actually doing. And I guess that's where the complication lies, right? Like, I just am not totally on board with seeing that stuff as, like, not negative. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess I guess I would say I think... I think the the proper approach to this, quote unquote, would be to be outraged at the conditions that these girls are living in. They apparently, you know, have no access to real like health coverage. This mm-hmm. is probably before Obamacare too, maybe. I, I don't remember the year exactly. Yeah. But she has an issue that comes from having frequent sex and she has to go mm-hmm. to an emergency room and deal with it. And then she's left. You just you're looking at the bill and being like, this is outrageous. Right. I think to say that this is a, a unregulated industry where <clears throat> these girls can go to this guy's house, right. who is this guy, live with other girls, and the guy doesn't even have their best interest in mind. Right. He's fine with them in and out and paying for their own bills. And he's getting a percentage to what? To, to give him his house? The house looks like a piece of crap. Yeah. Their rooms look like transitory rooms. Mm -hmm. It's just like bare walls and a mattress thrown on the floor. Mm -hmm. I mean, that stuff I think is stuff that you can feel free to get outraged at that. I feel like, you know, even if you don't want to get on the whole like sex issue, the last thing I want to say too, I kind of touched on this is people are holding this up as like a, and, or thing that I don't think all things I feel like today are, and, or, it's like, um, you know, you either believe this or you believe that, right. you know? And I just think um, the middle ground is probably true, right? you know? So walk it back from Hot Girls Wanted, mm-hmm. but don't run all the way to the other end and be like, these girls are fine. Yeah. Please, this industry is, is harmless yeah. or whatever. And love and radio has a great, episode where they follow a cam girl um, who puts on shows for guys who have weird fetishes mm-hmm. and she basically will accommodate their needs and she doesn't get nude and she'll do, but she'll do really bizarre stuff right. and they record a whole conversation she, she has with the yeah. guy and she's treating it like a job. But in the end they ask her, they're like, so if you weren't you know, making you know, the money that you're making, what'd you do? And she's like, no.
0: Yeah.
1: I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that, that's my idea of this. If you can just say, look, this stuff can't just be blindly celebrated because it's sex positive to say your body's your body. Do what you want. You're 19. Mm -hmm. At the same time, you can't run to the other end and be like, you know, Armageddon's right around the corner because there's amateur porn. Mm Mm-hmm. But I'm more on the Armageddon side. No.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Well, from uh, one sleazy underside of the industry to the next, I also watched Nightcrawler, which also just came on Netflix. Yeah. Um, The Jake Gyllenhaal movie that I really wanted to see for a long time, ever since it came out, where he plays... Uh Lou
1: Bloom, right? Louis Bloom? Bloom,
0: yeah. Uh sort of self-made uh self-made man to an extent and he decides to become I guess what is known as a night crawler, which are these just like freelance news guy that mm. capture news images.
1: The CD coverage of right car accidents and, and uh murder. it turns
0: out he's a little uh unhinged or maybe he's just a little uh too determined right you saw nightcrawler right yeah and you liked it a lot yeah i liked it a lot i thought it was a great movie until the end
1: i love the end
0: how can you love the ending of this movie the ending is terrible based on what
1: okay based on
0: okay so the i i was i've been trying to think of a good analogy but i just can't because you have let's say the movie is 2 hours long so you have an hour and 40 minutes of really great subtle filmmaking uh all of these themes are being layered and they're not being really uh, spoken about right They're just sort of happening And you're left to pick up on things You're left mm-hmm. to pick up on The sleaziness mm-hmm. of the Local news industry Of uh, These people just indiscriminately Filming a tragedy In people's mm-hmm. lives stuff like that And then you get to the last 20 minutes And it takes all of that Subtlety and subtext And it starts highlighting it and underlining it, mm-hmm. and bolding the font, mm-hmm. and italicizing it, and putting it in quotes, and stars. And it's like, it just ruined it for me. It didn't ruin the movie, but it just is like, all of a sudden you have all of these characters, Like, and, and with that being said, all of that makes sense for Jake Gyllenhaal's character, because that's his character. He is very you know i'm like speaking out of the front of my mind basically you know what i mean he's like he's saying exactly what he's thinking he's he he will say the subtext out loud to your face right right and then all of a sudden you have his partner um you have the uh what's her name what's the renee russo Rene russo you have all these characters who weren't doing that who aren't like that now they are doing that in the last 20 minutes and it's like you get this his partner who's barely said five words throughout the movie who's then is blurting out all of this uh exposition as he's dying it just is so stupid it's it's like a terribly conceived and it just is like, and then you get the final shot with Renee Russo, and it's like, oh yeah, all the stuff that you thought was happening, it was happening. Here's why it's happening. Here's how it happened. This is why it's bad. And it just is like, I don't need all this. Like you just spent an hour and forty minutes showing me all of this. I got it. I don't need you to then lecture me about it in the last five minutes of the movie. It just took what I felt like as it was a very smart, subtle movie, and made it like uh, stupid. It's just like put it on a poster. It's just like give me a, a tract as I'm walking out of the movie theater, right? That's what it might as well have done.
1: I mean, I guess, look, I can't argue with the points that you made because number one, you went way closer to the end than I thought you were going to. <laughs> I thought you were talking about when it kind of turns into a chase, like a, you go literally on like a Hollywood. Right. I have no problem with the chase. Because to me, that fit more of my thematic idea for this film where you have them commenting 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 and then the ending becomes the thing that they're commenting on which again and i know you don't like these explanations is underneath still the banner of the commentary you know no
0: i completely disagree i I, I knew you i don't think that's what they're doing i it's not that i don't like that as a tool or whatever I don't think he's commenting on the commentary of the movie.
1: I I took it as soon as it turned into this Hollywood chase at the very end where it literally goes into like a Michael Bay film where you have this this extended chase scene down the streets of LA with outrageous car crashes, police cars are flipping over, you know. Um that i was like this is now saying you know this is this is what films are now you know our culture breeds all this kind of despicableness and then our entertainment plays it back to us and makes it bigger and more exciting and i'm getting sucked into it i am like oh this chase scene is awesome right I felt like it was doing a um, no country for old men trick on me where you don't get to see the last shootout because the Coen brothers are saying, haven't you seen enough violence? Right? Like that is a commentary on itself. That's a movie commenting on itself. Mm -hmm. And I felt like Nightcrawler got there. I felt like it got to a point where it's commenting on itself at that point. Now... Do I also feel like, and when you look at who who this comes from, it comes from the Gilroy brothers, mm-hmm. or at least one of them. Tony Gilroy is doing Born films and all that. I feel like they have one foot planted in mainstream Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And over-explanation is, that's what mainstream Hollywood does. So I feel like what you're commenting on is probably a fault of, the writing and it speaks to kind of the broader films that these guys make where it's, you know, he wrote the Bourne films and then directed the last one where the commentary is just like, all right, right in my face. You know what I mean? I can't get away from it, but it's also, you know, smart in places. Um, So yeah, I feel like, okay, that's a, it's better than Paul Haggis scripted well sure but <laughs> where, where where the subtext is the text right and i feel like okay yeah i'll give i'll give you the last five minutes are a mistake i do i do think that the ending works uh, as a broader if you step back far enough it works when well, you get if you step back far enough anything works uh, that's not true that is true have you seen a Paul Haggis film? Yes, I have. Up close or far away, and that if thing you if you step
0: back far enough and you take the broadest strokes of Crash, it works. It's a it's a it's a meaningful movie.
1: All right, I'm not talking out of space. <laughs> step back. I'm talking, you know, just the, the the last ten minutes or fifteen minutes, rather than the last five. If you if you go back that far, I think the ending can work a little better. If you get down to the final. Five minutes. It is expenish, uh, ex, expositional. Exposition. Yes. Exposition.
0: It's terrible. It's. Anyways, the other thing that I didn't like about the movie, and I wonder if you noticed this, is I thought the score was really weird. I love the score. What? It's so like. It to me, it felt like they just took l- pieces of leftovers from other movies and just mm-hmm. threw it on top of it. Exactly. And it's- they're like, "We don't really have a budget to score this movie, so let's just sort of reach our hands in this bag and just grab what we can and put it on top."
1: It sounds like it belongs in an inspirational film. It's these. It's just like electric guitar riff. That I feel like is. Tr- it should be behind a guy achieving and succeeding. But it's about a guy getting just worse and worse, but being successful. I think what they're trying to do, again, it's the it's the movie commenting on itself is that the score does belong to a different film. But it's stuck with this film because this guy is a product. He is a representation of our capitalistic and new cycle society, Mm -hmm. you know. And so I think I think the film scores is, again, working on that on that feel, on that plane yeah
0: i'll give that to you but i will still say i don't i agree with your explanation but the score still stinks okay uh let's talk about game of thrones all right so the season finale
1: season finale
0: so i heard a lot of people died
1: of, i mean of course right um so you you've not gotten to the end of dance of dragons and you never will I never will. I. I. Ha- but you know what happened. At you this, read the Wikipedia. Yes. Yes.
0: At this point, I am so anti Game of Thrones. I cannot get any more anti Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones is almost the epitome of everything I dislike.
1: We need to start a frozen Despite box. Despite having yeah yeah the frozen it, penalty. Frozen box. Frozen is number one. Game of Thrones is number two. Game of Thrones has been added to the frozen penalty box. Yeah. By, by Justin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, on the other hand, could not be higher on Game of Thrones. I, I love Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> the only thing that I wanted to say, uh, because everyone's talked about the content of the... You know what happened in the season, if you're listening to this. You know what happened in the finale. Mm-hmm. I'm much more interested in, number one, the, the the tone of this season, which was very dark. Um And lots of rape, sexual violence, Mm -hmm. you know, again. And, you know, all this cry of Game of Thrones is now going back to that well one too many times. And you, have you kept up with some of the controversy of this season? I haven't, but I do
0: want to say quickly, if we ever do start convicting people of thought crimes... George R. R. Martin is number one on my list. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so now we've we've started the, I think he is number one. The George R. R. Martin thought crime penalty yes. box.
0: I think he I think you can look at those books and look into some of the subtext of those books and his fascination with this fourteen year old sexual dragon
1: owner being. Justin, he's sex positive. Yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just is, saying Is Cannibal Cop in the George R. R. Martin Thought Crime Penalty Box as well? Is it just him and the Cannibal Cop? Or are you not willing to put Cannibal Cop in there?
0: I I'm not sure where he'd be at.
1: Hmm. He's
0: headed George he's R. 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 Martin is definitely number 1.
1: <laughs> he's there. Yeah. Um So, yeah, it, it, so one of the big the first big shock of the season is uh the show runners had ramsey bolton rape sansa
0: oh yes i did see that
1: and instead of somebody else jane because he does
0: that in the book right
1: jane Poole, Mm -hmm. and it's worse in the book now that's one of the arguments it's worse in the book which i feel like is never a good argument you Mm -hmm. can't Explain something that you do or something that somebody else does because somebody else somewhere did something worse, you know. So that's a bogus explanation. And I think it's worth asking. I I don't know why it's so controversial for somebody to just ask a question, say, like, have the showrunners, you know, cross the line here, mm-hmm. you know? But people get so just like crazy. And I don't know where that where that reaction comes from. I mean, is it the fact that this show has heightened emotions and so people respond at heightened emotions? Is it just the internet culture that everyone says is in existence? you know, or is this really how people react and respond to things now, you know, whether it's politics or Game of Thrones, or yeah so no, I don't know, I was left asking myself that question. We can maybe address that another time but the one thing that i wanted to say that maybe you'll want to edit this out because i i have not heard myself say this out loud <laughs> okay but i found this when i was reading alan seppenwall's coverage Uh huh. so this last episode uh cersei did her walk of shame which you remember from the books yes. right you got there far mm-hmm. and she walks through this crowd of people and she's completely naked and she has to walk the entire kind of breadth of King's Landing.
0: Mm-hmm. Go and,
1: on. Tell me more. Right. <laughs> more detail. How'd she look? <laughs> um, and so. How,
0: how shame did she feel?
1: <laughs> right. And so I was looking on Twitter. And I saw somebody and they were like, well, you can't say that Lena Headey uh, didn't go for it. In Game of Thrones. Mm -hmm. And I get to the scene and she's, she's naked, Mm -hmm. fully naked. And she's walking through hundreds of extras Mm -hmm. and guys are jumping out, exposing themselves to her. Uh, Women are jumping on, spitting on her and all this stuff. She's walking through, she's naked. Mm -hmm. And Elise made a comment too of like, I can't, you know, imagine having to walk through all these extras. Them ring out in walls coverage, and they digitally put her face on somebody else who is naked.
0: Oh, really? Yes. See, I was just gonna say they probably just added all the extras digitally. Right.
1: No. And then I I saw a headline that was like, you know, Lena Heady talks about her <clears throat> walk of shame, and they mm-hmm. you know make a big deal about it and stuff. And in the article, they 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 reference like. Even though Hed- Hedy just had to make faces conveying <laughs> somebody who felt the shame. And then uh-huh. Cersei is to- or, or Lena Hedy in the interview is talking like, yeah, Cersei doesn't, you know, she's done some terrible stuff, but she doesn't deserve this. This is effing sick and all this stuff, you know. I just wanted to be like, where's the actress who is actually <laughs> naked being paraded through these hundreds of extras? Uh-huh. I want to hear about her walk of shame. I want right. to hear about the, the lady who was digitally plastered on that poor woman's face. And I almost want like a little thing to pop up in the show that says like, not Lena Hetty, Someone else. Do not give right. Lena Hetty full credit. Because, you know, somebody on Twitter watched that and was like, wow, Lena Hetty, you went for it. And it's yeah. like, well, she didn't really go for it. Now, I'm not saying I want to see Lena Hetty naked. And I honestly don't know what I am saying in a broad perspective, but I am saying, is it it kind of messed up that Lena Headey is getting giving interviews and stuff like this, and there's actually a woman out there who experienced and who's getting no credit for, and it. and who's getting like no credit? I I want to go back and look at the credits and be like, is she there at least, like Cersei's body double for Walk of Shame?
0: Yeah, it reminds me of the scene in Wolf of Wall Street where the Um, secretary is shaving her head for however much money. Right. And it's Mm -hmm. like one of these, it's this scene where it's like, you can tell she's, it's like, it's, it's, it's like you said with Nightcrawler, right? It's now with Martin Scorsese, I will give him this, right? I do. I'm 100% positive. This is what he was doing, but he's commentary. He's commenting on the commentary of the movie, right? But it's like, it's this it's this young actress in real life who's shaving her head in front of hundreds of people for a lot of money. And she's playing a young woman who's shaving her head in front of a lot of people for lots of money, right? It reminds me of that. And it's kind of like, yeah, no, that, that would bother me too because Lena Heddy's getting all this credit and then there's this actual woman who like did this humiliating thing who literally had her face taken off and replaced with somebody else's and is getting zero credit for doing
1: it. Well, And and now again, I'm, I want to go back and say, I do understand she's an actress. I do understand that she signed up and then she, I'm sure there's not a lady out there who's like, I didn't know they were digitally going to put her. I thought I was going to be Cersei for that scene. Like that doesn't make sense. Like I know, I know that she knew she was getting into and she may have been like, I loved it. It was a great experience. Sure. It was liberating or whatever, you know? But uh but from a viewer's perspective, it's just a little like, hmm, I wish I would have known that a little bit, or yeah, or it's just puzzling a little bit. Or I just if I had my own website, I'd probably seek her out and do an interview mm-hmm.
0: with her about it. Well, this is what bothers me so much about Game Game of Thrones now. Is this is the series I would say, after The Red Wedding in book three, which was incredible, right, when I read it. But at that point, at that moment, the entire rest of the series becomes about pure misery and making the reader feel miserable and making all of the characters miserable. And I can appreciate that thematically, right? I can appreciate that in the sense of, like, That's the moral of the story, right? All of these people are warring. Nobody's going to be happy. But at the same time, I don't want to read... How long are those books?
1: Close to a thousand? Over a thousand?
0: I don't want to read 5,000 pages of that, right? Like, give me a break. I read stories to be inspired, to have my perspective changed, to learn, to grow, all of these things. I don't mind a little bit of misery, but once you've gotten to three and a half thousand pages into a book, and then the next 1,500 pages are pure misery, it just is like, I don't want anything to do with this anymore. Like, you're not giving me, George R.R. R. Martin will literally give you the tiniest, smallest thread to hold on to and then without blinking takes that thread away yeah and he just does it over and over and over again and just is like i don't understand why anybody after a certain extent i don't
1: understand why anybody likes this you should watch reaction videos to people watching last night's season finale Uh because that's how pretty much every like yeah. you you see people who are just like they lose it they yeah. absolutely lose it i um the last thing that i'll say is i think game of thrones is if if i had to project down to the future um i feel like game of thrones is cutting a new cloth in what you can do narratively in terms of pulling the rug out from under people and mm-hmm. undercutting expectations in an interesting exciting way I think they've done it too much. I I do exactly. think I I do think George R. R. Martin has now <clears throat> pushed that boundary and he's now like pushed it way too far. But I think he's cleared a whole area that hadn't been cleared before, where people are going to spring up and now be okay with saying we're going to kill this person, you know, and we're not going to kill this person, and then next season kill that person, and then the you know, episode before we normally kill people, kill this other person that you love, right? That they're just going to be able to tell more, dare I say, like honest stories that that where no one's safe, where you can't predict. It's not, it's not the hero's journey anymore. Mm-hmm. It's something else entirely. And I think George R. 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 Martin should be commended for that. I do think that it It's gotten to the point where you're like, okay, George, like, <clears throat> we get it. Right. But, you know, he did good work for three books. Really good work. Yeah. Yeah. You know? I, I think the show has done some good work. I'm excited to see what comes out of once Game of Thrones is done, people then take a step back and say, okay, what can we take from this show that was super successful? I think we may get some really good stories out of it. You watched a horror movie called We Are Still Here. Oh, We Are Still Here. Yes. Um, Yeah, it's an independent film. Is it new, recent? It's recent. It's this year. It's just on video on demand. And I watched it. Um, I've been looking for something. uh, I love horror movies. I've been looking for a good horror movie. Read a little bit about this. And to me, it's a great first feature that has great ghosts, Mm -hmm. which is saying something in today's age, mm-hmm. but the actors are really pushed to their, their acting mm-hmm. limit. Uh-huh. And it has some scenes that are just like, yikes. <laughs> you know, this is somebody who can't, who can't really bring, you know, you, you, you have people say like, bring the words on the page to life. This is somebody who read that and you could see them practicing in the mirror. And they're like, I got it. Turn on the camera now. <laughs> And it, it has that feeling on some of the lines where you're like in their mind they've they've nailed it uh-huh. and in reality you're like Ugh. it does have one of the a really good possession scene in it so i will say if you're a fan of horror films um it's got great great ghosts and it's got a great possession scene that the guy who i was having trouble with is acting all the way through uh-huh. we got to the possession scene I was like he might really be possessed because I actually <laughs> really do believe this, uh-huh. and that that was really good. All right, um, and and it's also it's really gory, which uh, I normally don't go for. Yeah, and I was a little disappointed when when it gets really gory. Mm-hmm. Um, but for what it is, I'd be interested in at least seeing where, where this guy goes from it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a huge fan of Ty West. And he's, you know, House of the Devil. Is this movie directed by Ty West? No, oh. this is directed by another guy, but I'm saying he's in the vein of Ty West, and I'm mm-hmm. far more excited about this guy.
0: Yeah, he's he's a little overrated.
1: Yeah, but We Are Still Here is is solid if you're willing to put up with some pretty, pretty terrible acting. <laughs>
0: okay. <laughs> um, and speaking of pretty terrible acting... You rewatched Tree of Life.
1: Oh, what? <laughs> what kind of introduction is that? Just a joke. <laughs> no, it's not a joke. It's an anti joke. Um, I, yes, I rewatched. So, you watched
0: the whole thing, beginning whole to thing, end? Whole thing, beginning okay. to
1: end. And what
0: spurred this on? And you shouldn't just, be. You were just inspired? Yeah, I mean it is Just like I've got three and a half hours of my life to waste. waste. That I never went back.
1: Gosh, why why? Why do I talk about this with you? I was going to say this is one of those sacred texts of my life. You have your thought crimes penalty box and you have your frozen penalty box now. Now I have my uh my sacred uh culture penalty box you that you are not life. allowed that you're not allowed to talk about. Uh-huh. And tree of life is firmly in there and don't say anything bad about it. Okay. Um, I didn't mind tree of life. I love tree of life mm-hmm. and this isn't a reason because I don't need a reason to rewatch it. I love the movie, but in the move, we don't have TV set up yet. And oh, we okay. didn't have internet mm-hmm. at the time. I, did I tell you that story? That's a nightmare mm-hmm. story. <clears throat> and so I was looking at what DVDs I have and I don't have a lot. Um, Return to me and Tree of Life, both <laughs> right. made the cut though when I sold all my DVDs, <laughs> right. and it was between those two. And Tree of Life won out. It was close though, <laughs> surprisingly. And, um, yeah, and I started watching it, and I, you know, in watching it, I've, I, th- I feel like, and you can't say this about, like, you can't prescribe this, but I do feel like, for me. If I want to be a better father, Mm -hmm. I need to watch Tree of Life. I need to watch it at least once a year Mm -hmm. to check myself. Because I feel like I came from a similar setting that's portrayed in the film. And I feel like I have some of those tendencies that are in the film. Yeah. That are scary to me. But do you
0: not... You recognize those tendencies as they're happening or as you feel them, right? Because I come from the same as as you, right? Or at least from my experience of watching Tree of Life, a very domineering father, very demanding father who had a tendency to be, you know, easily aggravated, I would say. And when I'm starting to feel that way, or if I ever do sort of cross into that territory, I recognize it immediately. I mean, and I'm, I know you've, I mean, you've told me as much, right? We've talked about it before. So I was like, I mean, I guess I'll have to watch Tree of Life again, but yeah. I'm sure you recognize those tendencies as they're occurring or as they're building up.
1: Oh, absolutely. I feel like, you know, in my life, and this is not bragging, I don't think, but. I feel like, you know, if somebody says, like, how do you be a good parent? Like, you be a good parent. I mean, right. there is an aspect of you know when you're a jerk. And you know right. when you've done something stupid. And with parenting, it's no different. There are times when I'm when I was short with Indy and I was like, What, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. What was that? You know? Or I'll just react. Quickly to like, he spilled something. Mm-hmm. He was like, Ugh. and yeah, you know, and you you need to back yourself off. But I think that can, as much as you're checking yourself, it can still kind of get out of control. Yeah, and what I like about you know some of the the art that's really been impactful to me has been an ability for me to check myself against it and say. You know, how am I or how do I want to be as a husband? How how am I or how do I want to be as a father? And Tree of Life speaks directly to that in me, where sometimes you look at your child and you go, How could anybody be a bad parent? Mm -hmm. How could anybody be kind of disdainful of their child or whatever? Yeah. And then you catch yourself in moments being like, Oh, I'm really annoyed at my child. Like, I'm really disdainful of my child. Like, how did right. that happen? You know? And, uh, and and I think in those moments, you know, Tree of Life can give you that perspective where you see, and that's why I'm a huge defender of the Sean Penn um, stuff in in the movie. I know Sean, Sean
0: Penn is not in. The, I, th- I thought his
1: thing was cut. Isn't he no. just like
0: just at the end during the beach walk? Nope, he's a little
1: <laughs> bit throughout, and then he's okay. he's in the in the beach walk. But uh, you know, even Sean Penn says famously that he did not like basically or understand yeah. his role, and uh, and I think that he plays a huge purpose in it that I see, um, especially if you're just approaching it from. Uh, parenting, family, fatherhood approach, not, not you know, not even taking into account the spiritual, you know, dimension of the film. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, Tree of Life is something that I've realized I need to make a steady diet uh, in my life because it really, for me, is that impactful. And, you know, there aren't very many pieces of art that have done that for me. Mm-hmm. My penalty box is not as full as your frozen box is. I think if we start getting into it. But uh,
0: is there uh, like a like an anti-directors cut of the movie that takes out all of the dinosaur stuff and all of the beach walk slash heaven stuff at the all end? That I necessary. can watch. All of it's necessary. All of
1: it's necessary. All of it works together, and it's all telling. No, it doesn't. Yes,
0: it does. The end. Look, I'll give you the dinosaur stuff. The ending of that movie is garbage.
1: Watch it again. Listen, what we need to do is we need to do a everything is interesting DVD commentary (laughs) to Tree of Life. Uh And we will walk through it together, you and me, hand in hand, and we'll get to the end. Okay,
0: before we move on to E3, I wanted to get a quick self slash less update. That you still feel confident in your pick? Have you thought about it anymore? Solid as a rock. All right. Because I watched the trailer again today because I watched the E3 stuff on YouTube and they had a bunch of selfless promo stuff you, everywhere. You and me are
1: going opening night, right?
0: Together? All right. Sure. We, we need to put sure. that
1: on the calendar yeah. now. All right.
0: Okay. okay. Uh, E3, you watched, how did you watch Microsoft stuff?
1: uh on the computer just streamed but you watched during it from lunch. like xbox's website or oh no i watched it from polygon actually Oh okay or like Poly- i don't even know polygon was like watch it here so i was like okay okay i don't know where it took me
0: yeah i watched it on uh youtube but uh so microsoft had their thing that was really the only thing today you know there's a couple of the publisher stuff i think uh playstations or sony's is going on right now
1: no it's tomorrow i thought is yeah it? tomorrow night yeah Oh, okay No, tonight it's, um, I looked at the schedule, and that was interesting tonight. Who was it? Ah, I forgot. Sony's tomorrow, though, pretty sure.
0: So, what did you think of Microsoft's press conference overall?
1: I I thought it was very good. I mean, I I was kind of in and out because I was working. I I was always listening to it. Right. Um, But based on what I saw, I liked... Number one, backwards compatibility, from what I understood. That seemed pretty huge, yeah. Yeah, that that is huge. For, for me, as somebody who sold my 360 and had a bunch of games, including when they were doing the free game, I was downloading everything I could get my right. hands on. And then to have that taken away from me and be like, well, I'll never get to play that stuff. Right. Um, that's huge. So th- I thought that they had big news like that, which is what you want, right? Like, surprise me with some great news not... Here's a $150 controller. Yay! You know what I mean? Like I don't care about about that. I am excited about the controller. Okay. Well, I mean, you <laughs> you honestly, you you play games that yeah. that require more precision right. than than I do. Yeah. Um, now,
0: I, if the controller is $150, no thanks. I'm not paying that much money for a controller. But
1: Yeah, I don't know where I got that from. Like No, I'm, I'm sure I it, it will be expensive. Yeah, something like that. Yeah.
0: Um yeah, the backwards compatibility thing. did. Now, I'm a little weary about that just because I don't think it's going to roll out in the way they sort of implied where it's like day one. You can <laughs> here's every single game from the library. It's probably going to be trickle. Right. I'm sure it's going to be. We have, we're have we testing this batch, and once we know that this batch works, we'll push it really out, soon. and we're moving on to the next yeah.
1: batch. I mean, I'm you know, I guess I'm fine with that. Um, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, at least we're getting that backwards compatibility. But
0: here's the thing about backwards compatibility. Are you ever going to play any of those games again?
1: Yes. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Because I'm watching, and this is the other thing I'll say about it. I'm watching the sizzle reel of all their games. I'm like, that looks awesome. That looks awesome. That looks great, you know? <clears throat> and then I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I can't wait for the next year of games. This looks awesome. And then I was like, you know, last year there was something called E3 and Microsoft had a press conference. Mm-hmm. And now here I am a year later. And if I, I could have $50 and say, Keith, go buy a game. I'm scanning through that whole library and I'm coming up with Rogue Legacy maybe, you know? And it's like there's there's not a lot of like just amazing, amazing, amazing coming out or games that I'm interested in because my gaming is very specific to like I'm not big on shooters. I'm not big on Cuphead. Cuphead looks awesome. Looks awesome. Yeah. The gameplay though is not my – I'm not interested in that gameplay. The frenetic – Side shooting stuff. side scrolling yeah. stuff i'm not the game looks amazing i will play it but that's not my speed so to give me backwards compatibility where i can go back like i would right now today play through alan wake again once alan wake 2 was mm. you know confirmed not to be happening yeah i would go back and play i never got to play american nightmare you know i would do that like there are games on my list and again Would I ever go back and play Skyrim or a previous Dragon Age? No. Mm -hmm. But I would play some of those indie titles and games I just didn't get around to on the 360. Um, That came up for free because that history of games is is larger. So over the next year, will we a year from now being like, dude, I can't open the Xbox One store without seeing another game I want to download? Mm -hmm. I kind of doubt it. You know we're gonna open it. We're going go back. Yeah, there are some great games, but you know it's dry right now, and that's when I'm gonna go back to 360. Absolutely.
0: I don't. I just. I'm. I just don't think it's gonna happen. I, I think everybody wants backwards compatibility, and it's a nice feature to want and to have. But I don't think that many people actually go back and play those games. I always think the only game I would go back and play, and I, I think th- this is also. In terms of like games that you already own, they have to have been bought digitally. I would imagine, like I don't think it's going to be like pop in the disk or whatever well, maybe if you still have the disc, but I don't think it's going to be like oh we we saw that you unlocked all these achievements, you can download this game now if you originally had it from a disk, yeah um, is but the only game I would imagine going back and checking out potentially would be Red Dead Redemption. And that would only be if like f- they somehow still got my save file because I did everything in that game there was to do, plus the, all the DLC. Um, I wouldn't want to go back into that game and start from the beginning and start from scratch. One of the things I like so much about it was just sort of running around and being in the world.
1: Yeah, and I, I also backwards compatibility, I am also thinking about indie. Like yeah. there there are a lot of games on the three sixty that I had that we played together. Yeah. Um, that I wish we still had access to, and a lot of games I want him to play as he as he's growing up. He loves games. So right. you know, I think I think backwards compatibility has that aspect to it as well <clears throat> when you think about you know, children your children and my children um playing and games I'd I'd want him to experience. The other thing that I'll say is I think it's situational as well. I was going to talk to you about this. I'm actually really excited for the next Metal Gear Solid game. Mm-hmm. I know you've played through some of those. Mm-hmm. I've never played one. And I was really? Gonna, yeah, I was going to ask you, should I play some previous Metal Gear Solids in preparation of this latest one? Because I am very interested. And if so... With backwards compatibility, I would absolutely dip back and buy a previous game and play it. Well, like-
0: I don't think any of those previous games are going to be available on Xbox.
1: No, no, no. And and yeah, even if they're not, I'm still saying that, that principle holds yeah. true. Like if there's another series that comes out where I'm like, oh, that's interesting. You know, if there's another Bioshock game, right? Like I might go back and play another bi- or somebody else might be like, I've never played those Bioshock games. I'll buy Bioshock, you know, two and three right now. Mm-hmm. Um, because four is coming out. So yeah, I think I think it has situational uh applicability as well too. I mean
0: Metal Gear, the Metal Gears. They, there are two video games ever in my life that I've taken the time to like read about outside of the video game. Destiny. One is Destiny, which I'm currently obsessed with, and the other is Metal Gear. I have spent hours on the internet reading about Metal Gear's story and all the connections between the characters and all the references and what this means and that means. And so the Metal Gear series, like the Metal Gear Solid is one of my early favorite gaming. I remember memories. you playing
1: through it. Like if you I remember like walking in, I was like, What are you playing? And you're like this. I was like, again? You're playing through it again? Yeah. Yeah. You- yeah. And when it first came out, it
0: was the, it was it was one of those games where it's like the day it came out, me and Steve uh we went and bought it, and then he came over to my house and we just played it like all night long until like three in the morning or whatever. And I played that Metal Gear Solid so many times. Um, but with that being said, I only played the first three because the fourth one was on PlayStation only and I had an Xbox.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so I don't know if I'm even going to play the fifth one as much as I like the series. At this point, so much happens in four and the story has gotten so crazy and like off the rails I don't know if there's going to if I'm going to even feel any connection towards that game at all when it comes Have out. Have you
1: seen the gameplay of it? I watched
0: the trailer today yeah. and it looks great. Yeah, it looks I great. Mean, I mean, they all they've always looked great, but right. at the same time I d- I just don't And uh, like that's the other thing for me at E3, like with Microsoft's press conference, it was refreshing because I've been watching these press conferences for the past Long time, probably f- six or seven years. And it was f- refreshing to finally see somebody as the head of Xbox who's actually interested in video games mm-hmm. and who's not just there as a corporate head to make money, right? right? Like Phil Spencer is the first head of Xbox to, not the first, but the first one in a long time who is like his priority is video games, right? Everyone else has been Don Matrick, who just is kind of like an empty suit. You know what I mean? Right. It just is a, a money thing. It, it, he's just one of those, uh, he's like a Peter Principal guy. You know what I mean? She's right. like, this guy's been here long enough. Move him up there. Exactly. Um, so that's what I liked about it. None of the games really interested me that much. Right. Um, I thought Tomb Raider looked cool yeah tomb raider
1: might be awesome and and that was when i watched the beginning i had to step out uh for the rest of the trailer but what i saw looked great
0: but and here's the thing about tomb raider tomb raider the first tomb raider is another one of those early video game memories for me me too because i remember playing the first tomb raider and it's creepy right and there's animals jumping out at you Mm -hmm. and then And then out of nowhere, you're fighting, like, a T-Rex. And it's just Mm -hmm. like, where did this come from, right? And then you're fighting raptors. But then the later games, you're just, like, killing humans. (laughs) Just (laughs) as, like, what did this? And I'm thinking, like, you're supposed to be this adventurer who's getting into these lost temples like these ruined temples that are impossible to get to and also you're running into all these goofballs with machine guns like how did these guys get in here you know what i mean like it just took me forever to get into this place and then here's 50 guys with like machine guns shooting me down what are right. these guys doing in here right they're way better trained than me <laughs> right Yuck. so i'm hoping i'll be interested in the new tomb raider if it's more like that if it's more exploratory and if it's more if the combat is like animal based basically. And I, that, I guess that sounds terrible,
1: no, we'll but it's we like, you want to kill animals,
0: right? But I, at the same time, I don't want to kill humans, right? I don't want to be mowing down humans. Like I'm fine with shooting a rampaging bear, right? <laughs> I don't want to kill a human really. It okay. just seems weird in yeah. the fiction of the world. Yeah. Um. So yeah. And along with E3 every year, Comes the Steam Summer Sale. I haven't actually gone on to check it out yet, but you've been,
1: yeah, keeping I've tabs. Been, I yeah, I can't help it. And I I normally will get about eight games. I think is my average. Yeah, and I usually spend about twelve dollars. <laughs> so yeah, I'm like worth it. Exactly, a dollar game done yeah that's uh, so why i got ftl which i'm still playing today mm-hmm. i got a bunch of games i just don't even understand cart life mm-hmm. i heard oh it's good 99 cents i was like done right i still don't know what i'm doing <laughs> in that game and how to
0: how to progress is it a cart racing game
1: no you're a vendor and you're selling like oh hot dogs. that's
0: right that's right i've heard about
1: Yeah, pe- yeah people loved it and yeah. i was like i don't even know i can barely find like cart. a hot dog vendor yeah you start vander. off trying to find your card. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't even know where my card is. Yeah. So it's, it's bad news. So I've, I've given that one a little bit, but basically every game that I, uh, civilization five, I got for like ridiculously cheap. Uh-huh. So normally there's some, you know, big games I'll get into late. Um, so I, d- I almost downloaded a game called long, long live the queen. Cause I listened oh, to yeah. a gaming <laughs> podcast called the patch and they did a, an episode about it. And, It was on sale for like a dollar for like a day and I meant to buy and I didn't. And I'm kind of happy. You should go Google (laughs) long live the queen um, and see what I almost got myself into. Mm -hmm. Um, But I did get back into Don't Starve. Oh, really? So I got into the early access of Don't Starve because some people were talking about Mm -hmm. it and bought it from the website. I don't remember... How I accessed the game previously and what it my was login... It was just its
0: own client. It was independent. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
1: and I don't even know... I don't know how games work, obviously. Mm-hmm. I'm not that proficient. But it was on sale for like $2, so I was like, I'll give this guy another $2, because I, I loved the game before. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, two more dollars, here you go. So I've been getting back into Don't Starve, and man, that game is good. Like, is it really different? Or it's, is it- it's not really different, but it feels completely finished from what I what I played before I was really into Mm -hmm. but it it felt kind of like you know it it was it felt like a prototype it felt a little aimless yeah and now it's just like resources are more plentiful like you could see that he took feedback and then really Mm -hmm. generated a great game they also have don't starve together which is like a co-op which I would love to do if your machine can handle it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been playing Don't Starve, and I've been getting into strategy games now more. Mm. Um, and Valkyria Chronicles, mm-hmm. which I heard good things about, uh-huh. which my new internet took three days to download. Wow, geez. Well, I had to start <laughs> and stop it um, uh-huh. because we now, we went from really great internet to internet uh, where if you're on your phone while you're trying to like stream something, forget about it. Your phone's going to catch on fire. Um, but anyway, yeah. So I've basically been playing don't starve. I'm excited to get into uh, the banner saga I got as well, mm. which I heard good the things. The banner about. saga is like the
0: world war one game.
1: Uh, no, I think it's like Viking oh, or okay. uh, not, not, but Norse. I think it's mm-hmm. Norse um, mythology. I honestly don't know much about. I basically will just look for what's like three dollars or four dollars and under. Mm-hmm. Um, I type in Banner Saga review enter, mm-hmm. and if it's got a great review on IGN or Game Stop uh, or Spot, I'm uh, I'm probably gonna download it. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, I, I want to give another shout to Don't Starve, and over the next few weeks, I'll probably be updating everything I get from the summer sale. But I say. If you have a PC that can handle any games at all, now's the time to load up Steam and grab some games because they are ridiculously cheap. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you also started playing Rogue Legacy. Started playing Rogue Legacy after you talked about it um, two weeks ago, and you are right. It is awesome, and it's exactly yeah. what you're talking about. It's gr- it's a great game to pop in on. Mm-hmm. And you know I can play because a game for me, a great game for me, with one guy is about mm, five minutes, mm-hmm. tops. I think. Yeah, and that's amazing. And yeah. then I always die. Yeah. So I guess that's a good curve that but I'm on. Yeah. Is a five minute game is kind of I'm doing pretty good. Hmm. Uh, but I, I'm still waiting. I can't really fight any bosses yet.
0: Oh yeah, no. I I, I still haven't fought any bosses. I mean that dying is basically. One of the major mechanics. Did you know this? In your character select screen, you can move up and down. No. Yes, I just figured this out like the other day after playing this game for so weeks. Wait, wait, wh- when you're selecting your character, right, it shows you who your next hero is.
1: Oh. If you press
0: up, there's another hero, and if you press down, there's a there's a hero on top and on bottom. That's so why you just
1: choose your air. I'm like, why right, is saying you choose? You have three
0: people to choose from. Right, I had no idea until I like, was watching a video and I saw somebody do it.
1: Oh, my gosh. And so it's so stupid because I read Choose Your Game. And I was like. I thought the
0: exact same thing. I was like, I you're ch- not giving me a choice. Right. Do
1: I get a choice <laughs> later on? And I'm always. Yeah. You know what's surprising, though? I don't know if this is true for you. The best games I have. And this is true. What game was it where it breaks at the end? It's Raymond. Raymond Legends. Mm-hmm. And in this crazy, like they have like extra levels at the end where that goes to eight bit and goes like really old school and it like fuzzes out the screen so you don't know what's happening Mm. and you just have to go basically on muscle memory. There's a part where it inverts and Mm -hmm. you're running like backwards, upside down or whatever. I am really good at that. Oh, really? It's surprising. (laughs) Rogue Legacy, I will have some of my best games Uh when it's inverted. When I'm upside down, yeah. I don't know why, and it actually is troubling. Raymond, when it inverts, like they do a the whole thing, I beat it one time through. I didn't die once, and I'd never played that level before. I'm like, I'm just playing. I'm like, why am I so good at this? Mm. This is, this is scary. This is not something to be proud of. <laughs> yeah, my brain should not be like, oh great, everything's backwards. <laughs> finally got it. <laughs> finally, everything's working right for me. Right, the normal world is just too hard to process.
0: that you can uh, jump in and out of is my recommendation for you. And I know you've play, already played it a little bit, but Fallout Shelter came out last night, I guess it was. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying
1: to make a baby with two people.
0: <laughs> oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. I've got three already. Whoa. Yeah. And it takes a long time.
1: Okay. I literally just put them in the room together. Yeah.
0: No, that part doesn't take that long. The actual, then waiting for the baby to yeah, come, yeah. So takes a out. really long time. And then, and there's Nine also months. like no indication of, of like how far along they are. Anyways, but that's my recommendation. <laughs> um, Fallout Shelter. I've been playing it. I've probably already played it since I downloaded it last night. I've probably at least played it for two or three hours already. Oh, wow. Um, But we'll talk about it more uh, next week. Okay. Uh, So you've been listening to Everything's Interesting. I'm Justin Blizzard. I'm here with Keith Krepko. We missed last week. We're back. We should be back again next week. Um, Any information, anything we talked about in the show will be linked in the uh, show notes. And you can find the show notes. If the show notes do not show up in your podcast player, whatever it may be, you can find all of the links and all of the uh, you can find timestamps and all that stuff on our website eipodcast.com and you can follow us on Twitter I'm at blizzard with nine z's
1: I'm still at things come right um, and I'm miserable about it
0: <laughs> sounds like it, man um,
1: it's a difficult thing to pick, right? i know where i want it to be i honestly don't know how to change it it's you just go to the website and change it no i you will only let me change the first handle it won't let me change the no, app whatever
0: it's on there you can change the you can change your handle it's all very right. well, easy we, well we need to you need to show it's me. very easy walk me through it um all right well yeah so that's it um go to the the website's got all the information all the links links for the music we use in the show There'll be a nice pie chart on there so you can see how how much time we've distributed to each topic.
1: It's really nice.
0: (laughs) Um, But that'll do it. We will uh, see you next week.